Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. post office clerk immediately walked up to me and told me to give him the package. We don't want to keep the gardener waiting, he said, and gave me a thick white envelope with a red stain on it. There was $8,000 in there. Spend this as you see fit, the clerk said. First, I just stood on the sidewalk with the envelope in my hands. I waited for something to happen, for someone to come up to me, grab the money and go, You didn't really think it would be this easy now, did you? But no one came. I had $8,000. I looked for a store to get a new phone after going to the post office, but there was only a church, a grocery store, and a hardware store where they also sold rifles. America's primary needs. The only missing piece is fast food, but I'm sure there's a BBU somewhere in Galena. There's a BBU somewhere, wherever you are. Fast food will be the first commercial enterprise to colonize another celestial body. Mark my words. Anyway, there wasn't even a place that sells clothes in this town. I still can't change out of my BBU uniform. I did buy some soap and washed everything in the sink, but still, it would have been nice to not look like I've lost my way to the drive-thru. I've ditched the red clip-on tie. I'm not sure why I even still wore that thing. And I ditched the name tag. Completely lost on why I still wore that. I don't need people to know my name. I guess I don't even need the name itself anymore. I brushed my teeth. That may not sound like it's a big deal, but it was a huge deal to me. I hadn't brushed my teeth in days. And I showered for like an hour. The hot water was incredible. My muscles finally stopped clenching and my headache just disappeared. Sometimes a shower can feel like stepping through a portal into a new body. Ah, I'm so relaxed right now. I buzzed my long, homeless-style hair all the way to a military-grade buzz cut. I'm literally a new person. I look like a kid now. I look really young and green. Not at all like someone who stole a car, robbed a diner, delivered a package for a crime kingpin. It's probably a good thing to not look like a criminal. Although, it does feel like I'm more likely to get robbed now. I'm sure I wasn't an intimidating guy to begin with, but whatever trace of aggressive male energy there was, now lays on the bathroom floor, like an exploded wig. Just outside Galena, There's a simple motel, with ten rooms or something like that, and I booked the biggest one. It's really basic, but after sleeping outside for a couple of nights, this is heaven to me. I got some groceries, but I ate the food I stole from the diner first. I'm still in survival mode, in spite of the eight grand in my pocket. I'm traveling without a wallet or a phone, without ID. I have to be careful. It may be a very long time before I make more money. 
could have stayed in my room. I could have just accepted the fact that my soda was lukewarm. Yesterday, I didn't even have anything to drink. Now I insist on my Coke to be ice cold. So I get up, put on my pants that are still wet from washing them, and walk onto the small parking lot to get to the ice machine. I should have stayed in the room. At first, I don't even pay attention to the guy in the parking lot. I just assume it's someone trying to get into their car. But after making my way halfway towards the reception desk, I realize he's standing next to my car, tampering with my door. What do I do? I don't want any trouble. I don't want anyone to notice me or ask questions. My initial thought is to just let him steal the car. It isn't mine anyway. I feel like just sneaking back into my room and acting surprised in the morning. But on the other hand, without a car, I could be stuck here for months. I could be stuck here forever. Then I see the other car, the cop car. It's parked right around the corner at the ramp towards the main road. The officer is standing there looking the other way. He's leaning on the hood, drinking something from a small paper cup. I don't think about it for too long. I just run up to him. I guess my plan is to have the cop chase away the bad guy. And after he's gone, I would continue my way towards the ice machine and late night television. Excuse me, officer? Sorry to bother you, but it looks like someone is trying to get into my car. What did you just say to me? Good evening, I'm very sorry, but I sleep in the motel there, and I was just getting some ice from the machine, and there's someone tampering with my car. And I saw you standing there, and I thought... Sir, please calm down. Please, take a breath. The officer turns towards me and puts his cup on the hood of his car. It takes forever. It's like he wants to find exactly the right spot on the hood before letting the cup go. He comes walking towards me, his hands resting on his belt. He moves very slowly, like he's fighting some invisible force that wants him transfixed, staring at Galena's main road. Are you calm, sir? I don't know what to say. I feel like I wasn't talking fast or angry. I feel like I'm acting as calm as anyone could be in this situation. Let me get this straight, sir. You saw someone tampering with the car you drive, and then you saw me standing here, right next to the motel parking lot. And now you want me to come over there with you to confront the man, woman, demon-like creature, or whatever it is you saw. You want me to join you over there so we can catch this thing red-handed. The officer takes another couple of steps towards me. We're standing underneath the big neon sign that says, Motel. His cap casts a shadow, like a straight black line obscuring his face and splitting his neon red body in two. Now that you put it like that, I think I made a mistake. I should probably just go back to my room. See, that's something you should have considered before coming up here and talking to a police officer on duty about witnessing a crime. Now, I can't turn my back like I was doing before you started talking to me. He's towering over me now, in parallel with the neon red sign, buzzing like a distant hive of insects. 
I'm sorry, I, I really am. If it's okay with you, officer, we could just pretend this conversation never happened. It's not even my car, I, I just drove it here. So I won't file a report, I can't, because it's not even in my name. It's not your car? I'm confused. You just said someone was tampering with your car less than a minute ago. Was that a false statement? The officer leans towards me. Now I'm sure I made a mistake. I want to run, but I'm the one transfixed. Transfixed by his eyes, without irises and shimmering. Two dim red lights. He has a big golden nose ring like a bull that rests on his upper lip. The lip bloated, as if he uses fillers or Botox or whatever it is you have to inject to make it look like it might explode any second. We are going to the parking lot now and catch the perp. You and me together. Okay. Thank you, officer. The officer puts his hand on my neck like I'm his insubordinate son. His hand is cold, and I start shivering. It's like his touch activates my nerves. Suddenly I feel how cold I am. I'm not wearing a shirt or shoes. My pants are still soaked. He takes big steps and drags me with him. I see my room. My door is still open. I see the bed where I was laying just now, watching TV, getting ready for my first good night's sleep. It seems ages ago. Something that happened in another universe, to another version of me. We walk up to the car and I can see there's still someone in there. The officer takes out a flashlight and whispers in my ear. Is that your car? I nod. Well, let's catch the perp, shall we? He illuminates the parking lot and my heart sinks. The doors are open and someone is leaning into the car. This person seems to be ripping open the seats for some reason. The officer points his light into the town car and out comes another cop. That's bad news. The second cop is a lot smaller, but as he turns his face towards the light, his eyes reflect a red glow in the same dim way as his colleague, like the eyes of a cat or a snake. The officer holding my neck asks his partner what he found. The other one grabs a couple of paper bags and shows them to us. He says there's a lot of heroin hidden in the seats. I'm such a moron. I wasn't smuggling an empty box. Of course I wasn't. This wasn't a test. Of course it wasn't a test. I was a drug mule like the gardener said I was. The box was just a way to let these guys know the drugs had arrived. Why would some drug lord just give me a brand new car? What was I thinking? As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, sorry for interrupting the show. I'm Sleeper, and I'm trying to leave Corvat, as you've probably noticed by now. The only problem is, is that leaving Corvat is a one-man podcast operation that could use all the help it can get. That's why I was wondering if you're in possession of a bit of money and if you would consider spending that to support my attempt to leave this place. If so, head to leavingcorvat.com, where you can download spin-off stories, buy cool merch, or join the Patreon, where you get a look behind the scenes. It would make a huge difference. Thanks so much. Now, back to the story. My dad used to say that all cities are built on corruption. He told me never to go to one unless I was willing to be corrupted myself. I never got along with my parents, and I tried to see them as little as possible. It's not like they were mean or neglected me. It's hard to explain, but the older I got, the more angry and anxious I was being around them. But after Kim was gone for a couple of weeks, I had to talk to someone. I know I sound like an emo kid, but I couldn't bear holding it in. I felt like I would burst into whatever you burst into if your soul explodes. So I went over there for dinner one night. My mom asked if I had any idea where Kim went. She had heard from her friend's hairdresser that Kim stole her dad's car. In the middle of the night, she had disappeared with some money and the car and no one knew where she went. From what my mom told me, It didn't sound like her dad worried about his daughter's well-being or asked himself why she left. He was mostly just mad about the car and the money, about things. My parents didn't sound concerned for Kim or me either. 
They just wanted a story. I told them she never said where she wanted to go. She just wanted to test her luck and see the world. I left out the part where she said, together. I did remember one lunch. Kim and I were talking about robbing a bank. I mean, not literally wanting to rob one, but just thinking of a way to do it. And when we got to the final part of the plan, Kim said she would ditch the getaway car, buy a new one, and drive all the way to the city. She meant all the way to Naraka City. I asked her why. She said you could disappear there, start over completely. She loved the idea of disappearing into crowds, amongst people from all over the state, and seeing who you are when you come out the other side. I'm not sure what she meant exactly, but she clearly loved the idea of living in Naraka. She wasn't talking about robbing a bank anymore. So I told my parents that maybe that's where she was heading. They scoffed, and my dad said what he always says. She shouldn't go there, neither should you. Cities are built on corruption. And no one who lives there gets away with being a good human being. I don't know if he's right, my dad, because he's never lived in a city. But I do have a feeling that Kim is going there. And I don't really care where I live anymore. So why not go where she's going? This doesn't look good at all for you, my new friend. So much heroin in the car parked outside your motel room. So much heroin. Enough to get even me a little high, maybe. <laughs> and in your pocket, the keys to that very car. Not good. Not good at all. I'm afraid there's only one way we can settle this without going to the station and making things very complicated for you. Without you going to jail, becoming part of the system, becoming part of our circle of acquaintances. You don't want any of those things, believe me. The one way to get some humanity going in this room is by paying us. You are going to have to pay us for acting as if something resembling empathy is part of our constitution. That's not easy for beings like ourselves, so it doesn't come cheap. Because believe me, my new dumb friend, our instinct is to rip you to pieces. Our instinct is to spray paint this room the color of your guts. I'm sitting on the bed in my motel room, and the two demon officers are towering over me with their dim red eyes like four neon signs from hell. The one who was getting the drugs from my car doesn't have a nose ring, but a huge tattoo across his forehead of what seems to be like some kind of ancient language or pagan symbols. He doesn't really talk, but whenever his friend says anything, his forked tongue slides into the room from between his big, shiny lips. I think I'm making myself clear 
am I not? Well, the price for one hour of humanity is $8,000. No more, not one cent less. Do we have a deal? Or are we changing the look of this room into something more organic? I tell them the money is in the envelope and point towards the dresser. The one with the forked tongue rips it open and starts counting. Without saying anything, or even looking at each other, without breaking eye contact with me for a second, the officer with the nose ring starts shaking his head, as if they're one being with two bodies. We are $150 short, he says. I, I tell him it's all I have. This is not enough, he says while his right hand disappears my earnings into his pocket. Unless you're able to produce $150 within two minutes, we are gonna have to take you with us. And we are going to have to lock you up like the low-life drug mule you are. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to do. I'm cold, and I want to sleep in this soft bed for one night. But instead, I'm going to the station, if I'm lucky. And at the station, if they ask me for ID or a driver's license, it's going to look very, very bad. All right, let's go. We're gonna take you for a ride. type to trust your gut, fight for what's right, and maybe even act on impulse from time to time, then you are my kind of people. And as luck would have it, I've got just the show for you. I'm Faith McQuinn, the host of Epic, your new HQ for Realm's most exhilarating action and adventure stories. In Epic, you'll embark on your greatest adventure yet. Maybe it's crash landing on a desolate planet with only an AI embedded in your head to guide you. Or maybe it's realizing that your latest game design is the only thing staving off total global annihilation. You know you don't want to miss a single episode of these gripping stories, so unsheath those earbuds, clench that steering wheel, and buckle up because Epic is about to take off.